1: I always tell people my favorite job that I've ever had in the entertainment industry was being an extra on Friends. I remember walking on to the set. This is my first time on a studio lot. This is my first time on the set of a real TV show, let alone the number one show at the time in all of the world. Walking on to the set, still until this day, this is why it's my proudest moment, still until this day, The smell of a soundstage triggers something in my body that reminds me of my dreams. It reminds me not to give up. It reminds me of that dreamy girl. So being an extra, the least respected person on the set, that's my proudest moment.
0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. So great to have you back. Hope you guys are having an amazing summer and wishing you the best. It's really been a great, great time for the podcast. You guys have been so supportive and I am so grateful. The Montreal Just for Laughs Festival was... Truly an extraordinary experience. Got to meet and hang out with some of the best comedians and comedy artists in the world, including Jim Jeffries and Louis Anderson, and spent a lot of time with Kevin Hart, with my two boys who I brought up to Montreal for the first time, and it was really great. Shout out to Brad Williams, who really, really spent a lot of time and took care of my boys. And really introduced them to a lot of great people also thank you to jeffrey ross for letting them come to the roast battles and hang out backstage with so many great great comedians and also blake griffin tremendous experience if you need to reach me you can do so at barry cats at instagram or twitter or wherever my social media is just press the subscribe button or follow or however you do it it means a lot and I appreciate it tremendously and I'm really excited for today's episode part two of Angela Johnson this was one of the best interviews I've ever done in the entire series and when I think of Angela Johnson and I sit across from her I think of somebody who wasn't really in the lane of this area of the business yes yeah, she dreamed of acting might have dreamed of some comedy, but instead was a professional cheerleader for the Oakland Raiders. So you can imagine what it takes to go from cheerleader to comedy star. Most of you know that it's a 10-year plan to get to where you're going. But with the way the world works and the way the internet works and the way the world has access to you broadcasting yourself, within a few short months of her doing stand-up comedy with not a paid gig in her repertoire. She filmed a bit that she was working on and perfecting, and all of a sudden it goes up on the Internet. And before she knows it, she has millions and millions and millions of views. Now comedy clubs are calling her to work. Agents are calling to represent her. Mad TV calls to have her audition. And she books the show. So within six months of taking the stage as a stand-up comedian, she's on a network television sketch show. She's working comedy clubs and selling them out, making big money. Most of you would think it wouldn't be challenging because, hey, you make it right away, you start making money right away, you got representation right away, you got television right away. What could be bad about that? But the fact is it leads to other issues and other problems where you're getting things right away and you don't know if you have to do the same amount that you did, which technically was very little in the beginning because you just had what you knew. And then there's more expectations on you and there's more, more demands on you to be the best you can be. You gotta go in these personal appearances, you gotta do an hour. Well what happens if you don't have an hour? You gotta write the hour. Is the hour gonna be as good as that first ten minutes of the nail salon bit? Doubtful. It takes time. So you have growing pains. Sometimes maybe there's people in the audiences back then that weren't so happy. Some were. But she figured it out. She created a character called Bon Cui Cui. And she got that character on. And that character helped her launch a whole other area of work. And then people can see that she can do things. And then that leads to more television gigs like The Shield or Curb Your Enthusiasm. If Larry David picks you, you're not a scrub. But not only that, she developed more stand-up. She's now working on her fourth hour special And that leads to films like Alvin and the Chipmunks, or The Resurrection of Gavin Stone, or Mom's Night Out that she did, or Our Family Wedding. Little things become big things, and then big things become bigger things. The thing I'd like to tell all of you is that there's no clear path of how it's going to happen. It could happen right away. It could be a 10-year plan, could be a 20-year plan. I think the important thing is you have the dream, you have the vision. You broadcast yourself or you get out there in whatever profession you're in and create a mark and let the people of the world decide, not just a few different people who might say no immediately. And then when the world speaks and tells you that, hey, you got something going on, then other people listen. And for you out there listening, have confidence in the great work you're doing. Get it out there. Let your profession see it. Let the world see it. And if it's as great as you think it is and as powerful as you think it is, it's going to create many, many more opportunities. And I can guarantee you when it does, you'll have the possibility of the kind of career that Angela Johnson has
2: Harry Katz back in the house 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 Let's do this.
0: So you get at Mad TV, you're in the hallways of this place, you're in the meetings, and I presume you quickly discovered that not everyone is as charismatic, loving, kind, generous, and happy as you are. There's enormous darkness in the yeah. hallways of sketch shows. Mm. How did you deal with everyone wanting to service themselves more than helping the new girl service herself?
1: Here's the thing. It was a very different situation because it was the year of the writers strike. So I just joined the cast and we have like our first couple meetings and they're like, hey, the writers are going to go on strike. So all the writers of the show start pumping out scripts for the actors that they know how to write for. Well, I know she can do this character. She can do this impression. He can do that. Let me pump out all these scripts before we go on strike. I'm the new girl. So I end up being like detective number two who comes in and says, we got you, kid. And that's it. So they gave us the opportunity on mad TV to write our own sketches and pitch them. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to write my Bonquiqui character. I'm going to write this sketch where she works at King burger. Right. And so I write it out and then I pitch it. And then we would sit at our, our table meeting and we go around and reread all the sketches that are up for, for negotiations. Are we going to film this or not? They end up choosing to film bone So it's like, Oh, cool. I actually get one sketch where I get to be the star. Awesome. I filmed a total of four episodes of Mad TV before the writer's strike hit. And when we came back from the strike, there were budget cuts. And by budget cuts, I mean me. So I was off the show after four episodes. I got to do Bon Quickly once. And that was it. And then she blew up on YouTube.
0: And then what happened?
1: And changed my life. She has a cult following. Um, People started coming to my stand-up shows dressed as Bonquiqui. People were messaging me saying, hey, when are you going to do another Bonquiqui sketch? And I was like, oh, I'm not on the show anymore, so probably not for a while. And then I got married to a guy in music who had the idea to make Bonquiqui a rapper. And he was like, well, let's just go in the studio, record some songs, and we'll put on iTunes ourselves, and we'll just see what happens. So we did that. I had never been in a music studio i had never rapped before
0: i think this is the soundtrack of your life here your whole (laughs) career is i've never done this before and then you do it and it blows up
1: it's it's really insane and which is really frustrating because when i really try for something that's when it doesn't succeed and that's when i'm like damn it so i end up doing three songs as bonquiqui and he my husband pitches it to warner music Warner ends up signing Bon Quigui to a record deal. (laughs) We come out with a full album. It's called Gold Plated Dreams. The album comes out and we're like, well, what would a music artist do? Well, they would tour the album well, should we put a show together as Bonquiqui? I've been touring as a stand-up comedian for quite a few years now. Maybe let's do a music tour. So my husband and I created this entire show from scratch with a live band, backup dancers, LED wall with video components, um, light rigs, confetti cannons, fog machines, props. It was like music meets theater, meets comedy, meets media and we put this show together ourselves got a bus and toured it and we did two tours and they both sold out it was amazing (laughs) and we we said we're like all right we're gonna do this first tour and if people buy tickets then we know people want to hear from bonquiqui and people bought tickets and we're like oh people want to hear from bonquiqui and It was just life changing. Like I got to, I never in my life imagined I would be a music artist and I get to tour being like ghetto Beyonce, just like doing choreography, have a live band. I get to rap and sing. I only did that in my shower. I didn't know I could (laughs) have the opportunity to do that in front of audiences. And so we did it and it went well
0: i believe two of the biggest musical videos of all time mix comedy and music gangham style mm-hmm. and thrift shop
1: oh yeah yeah
0: another thing how many comedians do you know that have mixed comedy music and a character i
1: don't know I very mean, few yeah i don't know uh You're weird like-
0: al so after the videos became crazy in the tour, did David Salzman call you from Mad TV and say, listen, uh, we made a mistake. We'd like to bring you back.
1: Um, here was the thing. <laughs> David Salzman was always my champion behind me. He did not want to let me go from the show. That was Fox's decision. And he, I remember him calling me and telling me, this is not my decision. I fought for you as hard as I could. It's very important to me to have authentic female, uh, women of color voices, especially his wife is Latina. And he's like, this is very important to me to have you a part of this cast. This is not my decision. And I fought for you really hard. And I just want you to know that. So He always wanted me a part of the show. This was like a network money budget decision. And who's the newest ones? Yeah, get them out. We don't don't have money for that. So after that, it was like, yeah, I think everybody was like, oh, shoot. We didn't know this was going to blow up to be this big. Kind of made a mistake.
0: Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying this episode as much as I am. If you made it this far and you haven't fallen asleep yet, and even give you one-on-one private consultations to help you expand, enhance, and skyrocket your comedy career. Just go to barrycats.com and click on Blueprint for Success to learn more about my groundbreaking digital academy that I've created just for you. With it, we can take your career so far that one day, instead of listening to this podcast, you'll be interviewed on it. I want you to take me way way back okay where you grew up Mm -hmm. your family the economics and what was your first inspiration to thinking about this crazy entertainment business
1: I grew up in San Jose Mexican and Native American family mostly Mexican American um very big family lots of aunts and uncles cousins um I had I have, um, there's five of us siblings. My parents got divorced when I was about eight years old and, um, school was rough for me. I went to four different high schools, not because I was a troublemaker, but because I was depressed. I hated school
0: do you think if your mom and dad stayed together you wouldn't have been depressed or was it just something totally different
1: um i think it was a lot of things i mean my dad was not the best to us growing up so if they stayed together it wouldn't have been healthy um but also divorce is hard
0: when you got married do you think it's harder you think about getting married and make a marriage successful if your parents have divorced or is it harder and more pressure if they're together for 50 years and
1: probably that because i didn't feel pressure when i got married maybe because it's like well it's got to be better than that so let's give it a go so i was depressed i remember i was like a teenager and like going to church and i was depressed at church because i would see these other people like raising their hands to God and like saying like, I love you and say like calling God father and things like that. And I was like, I don't feel that like the comparison is a killer. That was that quote. The comparison is the thief of all joy. When you compare your career to someone else's career, your journey to their journey. Maybe it's, I want kids, but I can't get pregnant and look at my friend, she has her third baby or whatever it is, comparison is the thief of all joy. Even when you're this teenager just in church trying to figure out faith, trying to figure out God and life and looking at people around you saying, I don't feel what they feel. I'm, am I not doing it right? How come I don't feel connection to God? How come I don't feel all the things that they say in the songs that we sing? Like, I don't feel any of that stuff. So I was this teenager that was just depressed and did not know what I wanted to do with my life. And, um, there was a little part of me where like I would go to the movies and sometimes I couldn't enjoy the movie cause I was just mad that I wasn't in it because I could see these girls and be like, I could do that. I mean, who taught her how to do it? Whoever taught her how to do it. If they teach me, I bet you I could do it.
0: Was there any actress or actor that you saw in those teenage years where you were like, wow, that is fucking unbelievable. I don't, know if I could do that yet
1: um I mean I don't know that I ever had that thought I know that I remember watching training day and there was like all these cholas and they're like in the hood and whatever and I was like well I can do that that's just easy just put me in it how does she get in it and I I remember wanting that but I'm in San Jose California where do they film movies in San Jose they don't I would watch TV shows and i'd be like i bet you i could do that but i didn't have training i didn't come from money i didn't come from a home that was like hey you can do whatever you want to do um not because they were mean but because we don't have much and you don't see yourself reflected on tv that often so the audacity i would have to say something like i want to be in the movies that's how it felt it wasn't a dream it was like a far-fetched fantasy so it was like well i'm not going to say this out loud because that's embarrassing i'm just going to tuck this away in my heart yeah i would like to be an actress but who who do i think i am saying that let me just tuck that away and put it away because that's that's for people who who know how to do it and know how to have resources and money and all that kind of stuff. So whatever.
0: So what was the first thing that made the angst and the depression go away for you?
1: Honestly, growing up, not giving up in those seasons and maturing because when you're a teenager, you're still developing emotionally, uh, in your brain, like you're still developing. And I think as I got older, Um, and when I was done with high school, things changed because I wasn't forced to do any, I wasn't forced to go to school. If I went to junior college, which I did, it's because I wanted to. So it's different when you're being forced and, and then when you're choosing. So I was in junior college and I had a friend who had moved to L.A. to be an actress and she was doing music videos. She was doing commercials and uh, she had gone off. So she was somebody that would look at and be like, whoa, one of us is out there doing it. And then I ran into another old friend and she was a cheerleader for the Oakland Raiders. And she was like, hey, guess what? I'm a cheerleader for the Raiders. I'm like, oh, no way. She's like, yeah, you should come try out. And I was like, oh, no, thank you. That's not my thing, Uh, but good for you. And then I talked to my friend who moved to L.A. And she tells me, she says, hey, I, I, I tell her, I confide in her that I would like to be an actress, too. I would like to be on TV. How did you do that? And she was like, if you move to L.A., I'll help you get started. I'll help show you the ropes. So now this far-fetched fantasy that I tucked away in my heart because I'm too ashamed to admit it is now becoming an attainable dream. It moved from far-fetched fantasy to attainable dream. And I have someone saying, I'll help you. When I, when I was 14 watching the movies going, how does she do that? Who told her how to do that? Just tell me I could do it. Now I have somebody saying, I'll tell you how to do it. So I'm like, Oh, Okay.
0: Why were you ashamed of the dream?
1: Because I, the audacity I had to dream that. Who who do I think I am? It's one of those. Like, who do I think I am? I come from nothing. I come, I don't know no better. I don't, I didn't go to school for this. I, it's not like we live in Hollywood. There's productions on every street. It's like, I'm in San Jose. My dad lives over here. My mom lives here. Like, even when I told My family that I wanted to move. First, let me tell you this. So I talked to my my friend who was a cheerleader and I was like, you know what? I'm going to come try out for the Oakland Raiders. (laughs) Not because I want to be a Raiderette, but because I'm using it as my sign. If I make this squad, I'm going to do it for one year and then I'm going to move to LA and I'm going to try to be an actress. But if I don't make the squad, I'm going to just chuck this whole acting dream out of my brain. And this is my sign that this is not for me.
0: If you don't get a cheerleading gig, yep. that's your sign that you're not going to be an actress.
1: Yep. That was my sign. Well, were that's what I told on myself. You the
0: African babinja weed, what's happening?
1: No, that was my sign that I needed because I had these that two opportunities the at told the same time. Though, right? My my friend saying move to LA, I'll show you how to get started. Hey, try out to be a Raiderette. So I was okay. like, "All right, you know what? I'm going to try out to be a Raiderette, and if I make it, I'll move to LA." and be an actress right after.
0: How much cheerleading training had you had before
2: you auditioned? Actually, so here's the thing.
1: <laughs> I grew up doing competitive cheerleading with like stunts and tumbling. They would throw me in the air and I'd do a flip and they'd catch me and all that kind of stuff. But this kind of cheerleading was more technical dance training, like jazz training, lyrical training, and I didn't have any of that training. So this is one of my favorite compliments I've ever received in my entire life. I'm 19, 20 years old. I'm 20 years old when I auditioned for the Raiders. Okay. I drove to Oakland by myself, 700 girls at this open call audition, 700 girls. I end up making it past the first round, which is like personality. Right. And then now it's dance. You have to learn a routine and then you perform it individually in front of a panel of judges. So we're in this big banquet room at this hotel in Oakland, California the director of the Raiderette, she's on stage and she has two dancers next to her and she's teaching us this routine and she has her little Britney Spears microphone on and she's going through the choreography and there's like hundreds of girls. I think there's probably like maybe two or 300 girls left at this point. She's teaching the choreography. At one point, she stops the music because, you know, you teach it. Let's run it one time with music. Okay, let's do it again. Whatever. One point she stops the music. She gets off the stage and kind of like weaves her way through the crowd. And she comes right up to me on her little Bernie Spurs microphone. And she says, clearly, you have no dance training. But you have something that cannot be taught. That is the most important compliment I have received in my life and I took that and I said I receive it she's right I don't have any training but I got me I do me and I know nobody else can do me and I made the squad and I said I'm gonna do it for one year as soon as they called my number I was number like 183 or something as soon as they called my number that means you made the squad My first thought was not, oh, my God, I'm going to be a cheerleader for the Raiders. My first thought was, I'm going to be an actress. (laughs) And I did it for one year. We went to the Super Bowl that year. It was the best year to pick to be a cheerleader for the Oakland Raiders. I came home from the Super Bowl that very next weekend. I packed up my room, put it in my hand-me-down station wagon that my mom gave me. I drove to L.A., and I've been in Los Angeles ever since. It's been 16 years. And I started from the ground up as an extra on TV. And my friend who said, if you move to LA, I'll help show you the rope. She kept her word. She helped me sign up to be an extra. She helped me get headshots. She helped me type up a resume. She helped guide me and get me started. And it's people... Like that, it's opportunities that I have had that have made me who I am today that I am eternally grateful for.
0: Hey everybody, let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it, because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to BarryKatz.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you. To help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. Hey, everybody, and I wanted to thank some of the sponsors on the podcast, starting with Aqua True. If you haven't bought this countertop water purification system, you have to do so it's incredible it turns tap water into your favorite bottled water instantly it saves you thousands and thousands of dollars it gets rid of all those plastic bottles that you have and your trash thousands and thousands of listeners have bought these everybody loves it not one complaint it's incredible I haven't bought a bottle of water in years since I got this, and you won't either. And if you go right now to industrystandardwater.com and type in the promo code BARRY, you'll immediately get a hundred dollar discount. A hundred dollar discount and start enjoying the best and most cost effective water you've ever had. I guarantee it. Lastly, the air doctor, I don't know what the air inside your house is like, but the air inside my house, it feels heavy at times before I got this product. And now it got rid of all the bad air in my house, the dust, the pet hair, the pollen. It just gets rid of all the contaminants circulating through your home. And for me, when I got this product, it was amazing the difference that I found in the air in my house. And it's normally $600, and you can check Amazon right now and you'll see. But for all of you listening today, I can offer you $300 off. $300. $300. Just go to airdoctorpro.com and type in the promo code Barry. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code Barry, and save $300 and get rid of all the bad toxins in your house and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world.
1: One, Uno. Uno. Dos. two,
2: three, three. four, six. five, Cinco.
0: Six. six. Six degrees of separation. Six degrees of separation. I'm gonna mention. I'm not gonna mention names this time. I'm gonna mention projects. Just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind, and there could be some people that you mention along the way. Okay. Curb your enthusiasm.
1: Yes.
0: What comes to your mind about that experience?
1: Um that it was an honor to be with such prolific comedic voices and that they trusted me to play with them because the audition was improv. It was, these are the beats of the scene that we need to get to, action. And the fact that they trusted me to play with them That's what stands out the most about that experience. Ugly Betty. Was my dream. I watched every single episode of that show. And I remember bawling my eyes out at one of the um, season finales. I remember just bawling my eyes out. And I was such a fan of the show as a fan of America. And um, I ended up auditioning years later ended up auditioning for a movie playing America's sister I ended up booking it and within that relationship we became really good friends and she ended up inviting me to be a part of the show Ugly Betty so being on that show was a literal dream come true because before I even knew her I had watched every single episode and was like oh my god I love this show and then I become her friend and then she's like hey do you want to come be on my show yeah yeah i do
0: proudest moment in show business
1: honestly i always tell people my favorite job that i've ever had in the entertainment industry was being an extra on friends i've been blessed with opportunities to be on such shows as curb your enthusiasm to be in movies with america Ferrera and forrest whitaker i've had some really great opportunities i've done one hour specials as a comedian i had just moved to hollywood and i was this excited dreamer who had yet been jaded by the word no 16 years later i've heard no more than enough times you start developing thick skin you start developing callus and it takes work to emotionally file off that callus and say, stay tender and stay optimistic and stay dreamy and stay passionate. It takes work to, to work off those calluses and and that hardness to stay that dreamy girl. When I first moved here to LA, I mean, when I first moved to LA, I was that dreamy girl and my favorite TV show of all time at the at that time. And it was the number one show on television, Friends. The number one show on television. It's a long story to get to even how I got that gig. I'll just tell you really quick. Um, so my friend that kept her word and said, I'll, I'll show you the ropes, help you get started. When I first got to LA, she says, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to sign up to be an extra, go to Central Casting. And there's going to be a line of people wanting to sign up to be an extra. They're going to be a line of people out the door and down the block. Don't wait in line. I want you to walk up to the window and I want you to ask for this person. She gave me the guy's name. I don't even remember what it was now, but she said, I, let's call him Sam. I want you to ask for Sam when you get there. And I want you to bring a tray of cookies and your radar at headshot. And I want you to tell him, hey, I'm new to town. I want to be an extra. This is for you. And I was like, wow, this sounds real slimy. <laughs> <laughs> But I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. So I go. Sure enough, there's a line of people out the door. I walk past them all with my tray of cookies like I'm bribing my way in. And I have my at headshot, like my sexy headshot. Like, oh, my God, this is the slimiest ever. Okay. Front desk, excuse me. Um, I'm here to see Sam. Okay, sure, he'll be right out. A few minutes later, this guy comes walking out from the back, and he's wearing a Raiders hat. He's like, hey, I'm Sam. And I was like, Oh. And I give him my Raider at headshot and he's like, no way. Raiders, (laughs) are you kidding me? And we had just come off the Super Bowl. So he's like, live, I'm like, we're like, yeah, Super Bowl. Oh my God, woo, 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 whatever. And he's like, awesome. Thank you so much. Leave me your phone number, and your information. I'll make sure you get in the system and we'll give you a call. Cool. A few days later, he calls me. He says, hey, do you want to be an extra on Friends? I said, Friends, my favorite show of all time? Yeah, I do want to be an extra on Friends. Okay, cool. I'll give you the information. Be there Thursday, right? I remember walking on to the set. This is my first time on a studio lot. This is my first time on the set of a real TV show, let alone the number one show at the time in all of the world. Walking on to the set, still until this day, this is why it's my proudest moment. Still until this day, the smell of a sound stage triggers something in my body that reminds me of my dreams. It reminds me not to give up. It reminds me (laughs) of that dreamy girl. So being an extra, the least respected person on the set, that's my proudest moment.
0: Your biggest disappointment in show business (laughs) and how you used it to fuel yourself to the next level
1: biggest disappointment in show business. Um I am a big journaler. I've lost touch with my journaling over the past 4 years, but from 2003 until about 2013, I would journal almost every day. My journals are like my my prayers. My um my wishes or whatever my thoughts. And I remember journaling. I would love to have a multicam sitcom at Warner brothers because that's where I started as an extra. I remember parking in the parking lot across the street. And having to walk through the whole lot to get to stage 24 to go be an extra. How cool would it be if I got my development deal and I developed my TV show and I got it at Warner Brothers and instead of parking across the street, I got to park on the lot. And what if I get to park on the lot and walk up to my show and it be full circle from when I was an extra to now I get my own show. And it's me. That was like my dream, right? And it was something that I didn't share with people. I wrote it in my journal. This was between me and God. And at the time I got this development deal and it was exactly 10 years from the time I was an extra. So I remember saying that like, how amazing it would be full circle, ten years, like it's a good number to like ten years later, now I have my own show and da 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 whatever, right? I remember saying that and like it was just my prayer with God. And it was kinda like my own like sweet nothings that I felt like God would whisper in my ear and it would be like, Oh, that would be so cool one day. And I remember my development deal didn't go. It was not greenlit, it was not this time. All right, well, We'll try again next year. So I'm sitting at dinner with some other comedians, and we're at this gig, and um, we we all go to dinner after. And there's this one girl. I'm not mentioning anybody's name. There's a girl who um, just got her development deal, and she was greenlit, and she had already filmed her pilot, and they got picked up, and now they're going into series. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, let me learn from her. And I'm like, tell me, how did you do it? Like, what was it like? Like, tell me, let me learn from you. And she says to me, it's just really special because I'm filming my show at the Fox lot. I have my own show at the Fox lot. And that's where I started as a page 10 years ago. So to come full circle, when I started at the bottom and I had to park over here, and now I get my own parking spot on my own show on the same lot that I started on, it's just really special. And when I tell you, I went back to my hotel that night and I bawled my eyes out. And I remember feeling so disappointed and taken advantage of almost like I, I felt like like she was reading the pages of my diary. But they weren't about me. They're about her. I felt like as if I was at I was on a date on this table with God, and she was on a date with God at that table. And I felt like God was whispering all these sweet nothings in my ear. Like, wouldn't that be amazing? So dreamy. And I'm just like, yes, that would be amazing. And then I look over and she's actually getting the ring. That's what it felt like. And it was so disappointing. It took me a good two or three years to dream again. After that, I kind of went into robot mode and well, I'll just keep writing my jokes, keep touring. When it's my turn, it's my turn. And it took me a good two or three years to actually shake off that callus and file it off. And remember that dreamy girl on the inside. And it took a lot of processing and therapy and things like that to remind myself, my journey is my journey even though she just read the pages of my diary that's hers mine's gonna be mine whatever it looks like when i get there that's mine
0: Uh, last question what advice do you have for the young person who's growing up in a not so desirable situation lot of adversity a lot of things going on doesn't necessarily know exactly where they want to go Mm -hmm. or how to get there and to push through and navigate and Mm -hmm. have the kind of extraordinary career that you have
1: i would say you don't have to know exactly what you want to do you just have to know that you are so unique and there is not one other person like you. Someone can look like you. They can sound like you. They can talk like you. They can have the same hairstyle as you, but no one has your upbringing, your trauma, your childhood, your adversities. No one has the scars that you have. No one has your life. You are the only you. You are the only person that can do the things that you can do. So do you and do you well, do you to the best of your ability? Because when you get there, when you get to that door, when you get to that opportunity where you say, oh, I think I want to do this, you've already been operating at your best. You've already been operating at a level of confidence of I'm me. No one else is me. I have a lot to offer. And then when you walk in the door, people see it. They see that you don't need them and they discover they need you. But that comes when you know who you are and you just do you and do you well.
0: Angela Johnson. You fucking blow me away. I'm so proud of this hour we spend together and I will cherish this thank you so much thank you okay I'm going to scroll through the list of people who sent me a message and one of these people will be a lucky winner and they'll get to attend a podcast live with one of my guests meet them shake their hand ask them a few questions or else if they're out of town out of state or out of the country we'll skype them in or facetime them or anything like that so they can be there why not so let me look here randomly and pick somebody all right landing on jg17x april 3rd 2019 heading reads perfect podcast five stars and the comment reads couldn't be any better all right a short but sweet one thank you so much jg17x you are a winner and that wraps up part one of our podcast. I just wanted to thank my incredible partners, starting with Aquatru, the revolutionary miniature countertop water purification system that works straight out of the box plug it in, fill it with tap water, and immediately turn your faucet into your favorite bottled water for pennies. You can get a $100 off when you go to industrystandardwater.com and just type in the promo code bear and start enjoying the best And the Air Doctor, the innovative portable air purification system which will change your overall quality of life and instantly removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses and other contaminants circulating in your home normally $600, and if you don't believe me, check Amazon right now. But for a limited time, I can offer you 50% off. That's a $300 savings. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world. And here's a preview of the next very special episode.
2: Matt Besser. I can't stand, and I can't tell you how many times I hear this when someone will graduate from Amherst College and, as an alumni thing, come to me. And the, every college has this alumni go, or people go to the alumni and say, How can you help get me help in this industry? How many times I'll ask them, like, I'll always ask, like, What shows have you seen? What show, what comedy shows you like on TV? What shows have you seen at the theater? What stand ups do you like? And how. Unresearched, these people sometimes are. They'll be like, Oh, I haven't seen many shows at your theater. It's like, You're asking me for help, and you haven't seen many shows at my theater? Get the fuck out of my room. I, I, when I was starting out, I saw I was either on stage or watching a show every night of the week. And I don't understand it when you don't have that mentality when you're starting out. You have to be either on stage or watching a show every night of the week.
0: Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends.
2: you get all the money Drop that fancy car all the people love you Cause you're going for. Life is for the dreamer. They have all to gain It's never quite over So it all feels the same You pick your own poison